Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM. I'm your host, Dr. Kathleen Margolin. Advertising to children is big business in the United States. $1.4 billion a month was spent last year marketing to children. These dollars result in profits for business, but at what cost to the children they are directed toward? My guest is lead author of the statement, pediatrician Vic Strasberger. Dr. Vic Strasberger is currently chief of the Division of Adolescent Medicine, professor of pediatrics, and professor of family and community medicine at the University of New Mexico School of Medicine in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And you're talking about advertising, period, not advertising with Joe Camel, a cartoon that children will um, find appealing, but just advertising for tobacco. Any advertising for tobacco makes no sense. And the fact that there's actually more money spent on tobacco advertising and promotion than on alcohol, which is a legal product and may in fact have some certain health benefits if you use it properly, just boggles my mind. There's more than twice the money spent on tobacco advertising than on alcohol advertising. Mm -hmm. Do you think that because the tobacco industry dropped the cartoon character, Joe Camel, and do you think they're trying to make it look like, well, we're not aiming at the children anymore. Absolutely. But in fact, they only dropped it in the United States. It's still used internationally, particularly in the third world, wherever advertising is allowed. And the smoking rate in those countries? We're exporting huge numbers of cigarettes to third world countries now. Let's talk about alcohol. I found this statistic that said that young people see 45% more beer ads and 25% more ads for hard liquor in teen magazines than adults do in their magazines. That a quote from your article in Pediatrics. Shocking. It is. Again, it just, and the hypocrisy that exists in this whole arena, advertisers saying it's the parents' fault, advertisers saying, you know, our advertising doesn't really do anything. And the fact that we go after children and teenagers, that should be perfectly obvious to people because they're the next group of consumers. And if you can get a 13-year-old interested in alcohol, you know, that's good for business, according to alcohol manufacturers, or at least the way they advertise. They use sophomoric humor. They use male bonding Budweiser is particularly guilty of this, the dumb blonde, the equivalent of a dumb blonde joke, the horse farting on the blonde in the bobsled, which was an ad shown during one of the Super Bowls. It's amazing how much alcohol advertising actually targets young males, and it obviously works because we know that 80 to 85 percent of high school seniors have tried alcohol. We know that 40 percent have been drunk at one time or another. So advertising works. I mean, what's (laughs) What's the mystery about this? Right, right. You also note that minority children are at particular risk. Why is that? Minority children tend to watch a little bit more TV. We know that alcohol advertising is concentrated during sports events, which, again, males tend to watch more. The average American child sees 2,000 beer and wine ads a year. They see very few ads that say, don't drink. You know, even the Partnership for Drug-Free America, which does extraordinarily good ads, and the government, the White House Office of uh, Drug Policy Control, which has done some very effective ads, they won't touch alcohol. They won't touch tobacco because those are, you know, those are big-time contributors to congressional campaigns. So they only go after the, the bad drugs, the heroin, inhalants, and cocaine, and marijuana. And, you know, yes, they are all bad drugs, but 
people need to understand that the two most significant drugs that teenagers have to wrestle with are tobacco and alcohol, nicotine and alcohol. Well, certainly they're advertising a lot during sports shows. What are some of the other mediums? What, what are the magazines that are for teens that might be important to physicians in deciding what they want to put in their waiting room? Well, there's, you know, there's a Sports Illustrated for kids. There's all the teen magazines for girls, the Sassy 17. You know, there are magazines like Good Housekeeping that don't accept, for example, tobacco advertising, and they haven't done it for years and years. And we need to give those kinds of magazines credit. But to my knowledge, all magazines accept alcohol advertising. All, all the teen magazines, all the magazines for the kids. All, all major magazines. I'm not sure specifically about the teen which teen magazines do and don't, because I haven't seen a study on it. But what the studies do show is that there actually more, there's actually more advertising in teen magazines, magazines that specifically target teenagers, than in adult magazines. And how can you justify that? How does that make sense in anybody's value system? Mm-hmm. And physicians need to be cognizant when they're putting something out on the table for the parents and children to look at what they're putting out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It seems that at least half of the ads that that kids are looking at on television are for foods that are not very nutritious. Can we talk about obesity and that possible link between obesity and exposure to advertising? Industry will tell you that there's no specific proof that those ads cause obesity. And indeed, the studies that have looked at this have correlated television viewing with obesity. And there are about 15 national and international studies now that have found that there is a significantly increased risk if you watch more than an hour or two of television a day, which, by the way, is the Academy of Pediatrics recommendation, no more than two hours a day. If there is a TV set in the bedroom, that risk goes up significantly. It doubles. So that we know there's this correlation. We don't know exactly why. It could be that TV displaces more active activities. It could be the amount of advertising that kids see. It could be that you actually burn less calories watching TV than you do sitting quietly reading a book. We're not sure. I'm not sure those studies will ever be done. But the National Academy of Sciences has recently come out with a report that says that, yes, advertising for junk food and fast food on TV does play a significant role. We know that those kids who watch more TV and are exposed to those ads are more likely to eat those particular foods. Advertising works. And I think it's disingenuous of the advertising industry to say, no, we don't have any proof. You know, just look at the rates of obesity going up and up in the United States. Isn't it enough that there are now more overweight and obese adults in the United States than normal weight adults? And that the rate of child and adolescent obesity has doubled in the last 10 years? Isn't that enough? Advertising works with regard to sex on television and in commercials as well. Absolutely. The federal government is now spending $170 million a year on abstinence-only sex education. Well, guess what? The media are not abstinence-only. And the media function as a kind of super peer when it comes to children and teenagers. As far as the media go, everyone's having sex. Sex has no risks. Don't need to talk about birth control. Don't need to talk about risk of S. TV makes sex seem like a normative activity, and that's the problem with advertising for erectile dysfunction drugs. 
I have a wonderful cartoon that somebody just sent me. It has a uh, mother of what looks like a five-year-old little boy sitting in front of the pediatrician and the mother saying, what makes you think he's being harmed by inappropriate ads on TV? And the pediatrician says, he asked if I thought Cialis was right for him. <laughs> and this is uh, S. Kelly from the Times-Picayune editorial cartoonist. It's a wonderful cartoon. Sad, but funny. Yes. And, you know, there, there are kids around the country who are asking their parents, what's a four-hour erection, Mom? Sure, sure. We use sex to advertise. We use sex to sell everything we possibly can in this country, from shampoo to vacations to hotel rooms to cars. And then when our kids turn around and become sexually active at too young an age, we go, abstinence only, kids, just say no. The media are not telling kids to just say no. Yeah, the objection is the full picture and, and being responsible about it. This is Reach MD Satellite Radio. You've been listening to the Doctors' Roundtable, and I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin. My guest is Dr. Vic Strasberger, pediatrician and media expert. We've been discussing the effects of advertising on children's health. Advertisers try their best to go to their target audience with their message, and the place to find children is at school. American schools have allowed advertisers onto school grounds in a variety of places. Some schools allow a television station called Channel One into their classrooms. Dr. Strasberger, how does Channel One operate, and which schools allow Channel One, and why? Mostly schools that need the money, unfortunately. Channel One is available now in 12,000 schools around the country. It's a television program that consists of 10 minutes of current events programming and two minutes of commercials. And advertisers spend $200,000 for advertising time, and they get the opportunity to target 40% of the nation's teenagers. And Channel One makes huge profits. It makes $100 million annually, and it's in now about a quarter of the nation's middle and high schools. It's big business, and basically, again, it's the idea is we're going to kind of weave our way into the school system by telling school administrators that we'll give you thousands of dollars worth of free video equipment, and we're going to teach your kids about current events, but we want their attention for two minutes of advertising. And again, there are studies that show that those advertisements work, that kids tend to to uh, pay attention to them and buy the products that are advertised. And they're not, you know, they're not advertisements for nice clothes. They're advertisements for junk food and for soda. We've got a real problem with obesity in this country. People need to understand that one can, one 12-ounce can of soda, if you drink one can of soda a day, that adds up to 15 pounds weight gain per year. And think of all the kids who are drinking big gulps from 7-Eleven that have 24, 36, or even 48 fluid ounces of soda. We're talking about 12 ounces of soda giving a 15-pound weight gain. Mm -hmm. So they let Channel 1 in for money to help with the schools. Channel 1's making an incredible profit every year. How much are the schools even getting? You talk about a couple thousand dollars worth of video equipment. They get twenty-five or 50000 worth of video equipment. And, you know, we're not, when we don't fund public schools well, they have to sell out to Channel One, to Pepsi, to Coke. There's now something called bus radio, where 80 school systems around the country on school buses, just one program that is on this bus radio, and it includes a lot of advertising. There are advertisements on the doors of toilet stalls 
in some schools. There are advertisements on scoreboards. There are advertisements on the roofs of schools. Is nothing sacred anymore? Can't we send our kids to school without having to sell them out to advertisers when they're supposed to be learning their three R's? It's now become the four R's. The fourth R is retail. And they're a captive audience. They have to be on that bus. They have to be in that classroom. Yes. And it's unfair. I mean, a lot of what we do, a lot of what we're talking about, is inherently unfair to children and teenagers. And then we turn around and criticize children and teenagers for being fat or smoking cigarettes or drinking alcohol when they're underage. We're doing this. This is adult society essentially preying on children and teenagers, and then criticizing them. This is the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been pediatrician, media expert, and lead author of the American Academy of Pediatrics Advertising Statement and Recommendations for Pediatricians, Dr. Vic Strasberger. Thank you, Dr. Strasberger. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.